sometimes it was like a, uh, you know, a supplement company of some type offered me like a monthly salary, you know, year long contract. And I was like, okay, that seems pretty secure. I'll do that. Content like featuring their brand. Yep, exactly. So create content, promoting their products. I've spent the last two years learning from the best social media entrepreneurs out there and implementing the skills and ideas they have taught me in order to grow two successful social media businesses. After some time, though, I realized that social media was only part of the story. As I expanded my network, I kept finding young entrepreneurs with multi-million or even billion dollar businesses that weren't doing anything on social media. Instead of building their personal brand and selling courses, these entrepreneurs were solving massive market needs by creating the next Airbnb or Uber. But the real question is, as a young entrepreneur, which of these options is best for us? Social media influencer or startup founder? That's where this podcast comes in. With a mix of interviews with people from both sides of the aisle, you can see what appeals to you and how you can take the steps to start and grow your business immediately. Join me and follow along as I sit down with some of the top social media influencers and startup founders in the world to ask the most important questions and extract the information you need without the fluff you don't. My name is Apple Kreider and welcome to Young Smart Money. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today we are sitting down with Drew Manning, the founder of Fit to Fat to Fit. And this is a story that, that I think is particularly interesting. Uh, Fit to Fat to Fit is basically what it sounds like. I'm going to let Drew uh, sort of walk you guys through what that all was and what that project really entailed. But he's somebody whose story that, that I've really uh, been watching for a while, and he did this whole experiment a little while ago, a few years ago, and so I really he's been on my radar for a long time, so I wanted to sit down with him and sort of look at, at what he did with Fit to Fat to Fit, sort of from a different lens, because just to give you guys sort of some quick context, Fit to Fat to Fit was, was a project where Drew uh, sort of got fat on purpose to uh, better relate to how his clients, um, as somebody in the personal training uh, fitness space, how his clients were feeling and sort of on on the mental, emotional side of sort of getting in shape, what that was like for people. So he did this experiment sort of as a personal trainer, but I wanted to sort of look at it through a marketing lens, through a business lens, um, and and through a couple different lenses that he doesn't particularly uh, talk about very often. So that is really what we're going to be talking about in the show show. Um, I'm super excited to dive into it. I learned a ton from Drew um, throughout this conversation that we had, and I'm sure you guys will as well. Um, So as always, if you guys enjoy uh, this episode, feel free to drop a review on iTunes. Those really do help out. Uh, We recently crossed the 200 review mark, and I'm looking forward to the next 100. So without further ado, uh, let's welcome Drew Manning to Young Smart Money. All right, Drew, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Good, Apple Crider. Thanks for having me on, man. Love your name, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It works well for branding. I actually got the nickname in like second grade, so I've been holding really? on to it for like, yeah, like 15 years, man. But now it's now it's definitely doing the job as far as branding goes. That's awesome, man. <laughs> so so for our listeners that aren't familiar with uh, you and uh, what, you, what you've got going on right now, uh, tell, them, tell them about Fit to Fat to Fit. Uh, give them give them sort of like the the snapshot of of what that's all about and where that came from. Yeah, so I started this journey back in 2011 where I had this idea to get fat on purpose as a trainer. So here I was, someone who grew up their entire life in shape. I played football and wrestling. Grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters. Wow. So I never once experienced what it was like to be overweight. And then I became a personal trainer. 
And there was a disconnect. I could tell there was something I wasn't getting, like why it was so hard for my clients just to follow the meal plans and do the workouts. I'm like, it seems so easy. Why is it so hard for you? Yeah. And this idea popped up into my head to think, you know, what if you got fat on purpose? Like what <laughs> would that give you better understanding? And so I felt compelled to do it. Um, and so I started a website, a YouTube channel, social media, and I started documenting my weight gain journey where for six months I couldn't exercise. I ate an unrestricted diet and I ended up gaining 75 pounds in six months. Wow. Um, and it was the most humbling thing I've ever done. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was way harder than I thought it would be. Uh, luckily, I lost the weight, right? That's why it's called fit to fat to fit and not <laughs> fit to fat and stuck or, you know, uh, but I lost the weight and that's kind of where I got my start in this industry. And I wrote a book, became a New York Times bestseller. The book turned into a TV show where we had uh, two seasons on A&E called Fit to Fat to Fit, where we took other trainers through this process because at the end of the day, I came out of it more empathetic, a better understanding, more respect for my clients. 100%. I'm super stoked to dive into this on, on a couple yeah. different levels. Uh, the first of which just sort of like on a physical level. I mean, you said it was hard for you. And I would, I would assume so. I mean, as a trainer, someone who's been like focused on fitness for a long time, I'm sure there were a lot of struggles that went into that, like not exercising for six months and, and not like focusing on all these things. So tell us a little bit more about those struggles that you went through with actually like putting your body through this. Yeah. So I tell people this all the time. I think when you grow up your entire life in shape, your identity is based on what your body looks like. And unfortunately, the the opposite of that is true too. If you grow up your entire life overweight, you identify you as your body. And so once I became overweight, I I totally freaked out. If you look back on my videos, I was super uncomfortable. I was self-conscious. I remember wanting to go up to strangers and tell them like, hey, this is just an experiment. I don't really look this way. Here's my before picture. Go to this website, you know, because I, I wanted people to think that I wasn't that person. And um, it, it really taught me a, a lot of valuable lessons. And it really humbled me in, in a lot of different ways to help me realize that I am more than my body. And so that was one of the things that made it difficult. Also, the mental and emotional part of this journey is the most surprising part. So physically, you know, I knew I was going to get fat, like the mm-hmm. Let's just face it, I knew that was going to happen, but I wasn't prepared for how it was going to affect my mind. And um, there was a lot of different experiences that I had that really uh, helped me see it from what my clients go through on a mental and emotional level, right? We think people struggle when they're overweight. They struggle with eating less and working out. Like, why is it so hard? Just eat less and work out. But, But in reality, there's so many emotional challenges that people go through that that's the challenge for them to overcome. It's not so much eating less and working out. They know they need to do that. But to do it and apply it every single day is a mental and emotional battle that I didn't understand before until I did this journey. And so that's fortunately what I learned from this experience, which has helped me become a more empathetic trainer that understands the emotional struggle so much more than I than before this journey. Absolutely. And I'm also curious uh, what this did, if anything, for like, how much you care about what other people think about you and just like self-consciousness in general, because it seemed like at the beginning, what you were just talking about, how you had these feelings of like, you would go out and you'd want to explain to people like, don't worry, this isn't like actually how I look. And like, I looked like this before. So did that sort of help with, with having to go through that as far as like your, your self-consciousness? Yeah, hundred percent. So like I said, like I was really self-conscious, really uncomfortable being this way out in public. 
And, you know, when I, people didn't care, like no one really cared. No one said anything to me was mean to me. A lot of the stories we tell ourselves are in our heads yeah. and we suffer a thousand times more in our head than we do in reality. And so this is one of the things I learned is that like, you know, we think people are judging us. We think people are thinking about us all the time. And when in reality they have their own lives to live and they care less. Right. So that's one thing I learned, but also, um, you know, for me personally, I grew up so fearful of what other people thought of me. It stemmed from how I viewed myself at a young, at a young age, like playing sports and validation from my parents and my family and loved ones. Like I felt like I didn't get that. And so I seeked validation from other people. And so I cared what other people thought about me. If they didn't like me, it bothered me to the core. Um, it wasn't until after Fit to Fit actually that I read a book called The Four Agreements. And The Four Agreements really helped me see things from a different perspective where I, I viewed once I read that book, I learned that we all viewed other people as a reflection of how we see ourselves. So how we see ourselves is how we see other people. So if you hate yourself, you judge yourself, you're mad at yourself, you feel like you're not good enough, you pass that on to other people and you portray that on them. And that's why there's so much judgment and so much hate because it stems from self-hate instead of self-love. If you love yourself, you're not going out there judging others and making them feel bad about themselves because when you love yourself, you just don't do those things. But when you come from a place of self-hate, that's where that's where a lot of that stuff stems, stems from. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, for the listener that wants to to start dealing with with some of that um, self-hate and, and really starting to to develop a better relationship with themselves, so that they can begin to to incorporate that in their other relationships, but doesn't necessarily want to go through like a year long full body <laughs> transformation. Do you have any like strategies that, that you could, that you could suggest or that have worked well for you? Yeah. So like I said, reading books, for example, like the four agreements, ego is the enemy, um, loving what is, um, those are really good books to start with mm-hmm. to see yourself in a different perspective. Cause I think life is about perception and yeah. you know, our perception shapes our reality. And it, it, it creates that story in our head that becomes our reality. So if you can shift your perception about a situation, you might not be able to change or control the situation, but you can control your response to that. And that's one thing that books will do, help me do. And then meditation, uh, positive affirmations, gratitude list helps me change my perception of the way I view my situation I'm in. I can't always control that situation, but I can control my reaction or my response. And so those are some things that have really helped me shift my perception. Um, and helped me become happier. Do you have a, like a, a meditation or mindfulness like routine that you do on a regular basis? Like what does that practice look like for you? Yeah, so I started out, first of all, not knowing anything about meditation. So um, I started out with free apps. So that's how we use <laughs> technology nowadays. And now it's become so convenient. You just push a button on your phone. Uh, I started out with Headspace was the <laughs> first meditation that I used. And that's a great starter you know, starting place for anybody learning about meditation. Uh, guided meditations where you kind of are told how to think and feel and, and what to do during the, the 10 minutes. We think meditation is about being silent and silencing your mind. That's not necessarily true. That's actually a huge myth about meditation. But a guided meditation, either Headspace, Calm, Brain.fm, Insight Timer, I think are all free apps you can use to get started. Sweet. I mean, that's, that's a whole load of resources right there. Yeah. I'm curious. I want to bounce back to fit to fat to fit in a couple different angles. Um, the first of which I'm just curious <clears throat> how you used fit to fat to fit as far as like 
marketing goes because you really did. I mean, you talked about how, how you wrote the book. I mean, you, you had the YouTube videos, you, you were like getting featured in publications. So how, how are you, like, when did you begin to think about fit to fat fit as a marketing uh, strategy as well? Like, was that from the beginning you were like, I could really play this up and then really get some exposure off of this? Or was that something that sort of came a little bit later? That's a good question. It actually came later. I went into this with zero marketing strategy other than, okay, let me learn how to create a YouTube channel. Let me learn how to create a website. I'll tell my friends about it on Facebook Mm -hmm. because Instagram and Twitter weren't that big yet at that time. So it was just Facebook and YouTube. And I was like, we'll see what happens. Like I didn't have any kind of plans to get on Jay Leno or Dr. Oz or write a book or get my own TV show that kind of came organically later on. And you know, a lot of people think, Oh yeah, he's a marketing genius. No, I got lucky. I really did. I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of learned as I went. And I think that's what drew people to the story was the fact that it was organic and it was so much more relatable versus if I had a whole, you know, marketing strategy and media connections and, and all these connections, it would have seemed fake or like a, an act, if you will. But yeah, yeah so that's kind of what I think people drew people to it. Hmm. Just like the genuinity of like you walking around, just like recording yourself, being real yeah. with people. Yeah. Like kids are screaming in the background. <laughs> my phone is like shaky. You know, the audio is not that great. If you go back and watch my videos on YouTube, you'll, you'll see that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, as far as as far as like marketing goes, like what were some of the, the the doors that was able to open to you as far as getting your name out there and building your business? Because I know, like you, you mentioned, you were featured on a bunch of TV shows. You had your own TV show. What was that able to do for for your business? Like, like was that actively driving more revenue for you, or was that kind of just like getting getting your name out there? So at first, I'll kind of back up a little bit to the steps that got me there. And yeah, sure. Answer that question. So basically, it started out by uh, you know, people with podcasts, which weren't that popular back then, 2011, but people with podcasts and blogs, like fitness blogs, started interviewing me. Mm-hmm. And then from there, their followers would share it, right? And then someone else would see me and, and have me on their show, and then it would just grow. And then what happened was it eventually got onto yahoo.com somehow. And once it was on yahoo.com, the front page, that's when every TV show saw it and everybody started calling me. And then from there, it's like, okay, I didn't really know how to monetize this. I didn't know what I was doing. So all I threw did was Google ads. Like I put Google ads on my website <laughs> and just the sheer traffic that it was getting First of all, crashed my website when I was on yahoo.com. So I was like, Oh shoot. So I talked to my it guy, like, what do I do? And he like yeah. helped me put it up there. And um, so that's what I'm saying is like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I really got lucky in the beginning. Um, but uh, as far as monetization, I didn't know what I was doing until we, put Google ads and that was my only strategy. Like the whole journey back to fit was absolutely free. I put up um, on the blog what my workout for the day was and what my meal plans were for the day. So people could see what I was eating and it was free for everyone. Right. So I I didn't really know how to monetize what I was doing. I put it out there and then from there the book deal happened and then, you know, sponsorship deals came and um, uh, you know, people kind of came to offer, you know, uh, certain types of contracts to monetize this but in the beginning it was very very slow um, so yeah hopefully that answers your question yeah were you still training people throughout that time period or were, did you sort of put that on pause no i stopped because i knew that this would require a lot of time and i had a full-time job in the medical field so oh. that was where my money my salary was coming in so I was working in the medical field full-time i was a, only a part-time personal trainer i wasn't doing training full-time so i stopped 
training to do fit to fat to fit while I've worked in the medical field. And then once fit to fat to fit took off, I had to make a decision, you know, do I continue down this path of, of doing the medical field job, which was good and secure, or do I, you know, pursue my passion and see where fit to fat to fit takes me. And here we are, you know, eight years later. What did, what did making that decision look like for you and what were sort of the, 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 the things that you were weighing? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the cushy comfort zone job of a salary, yeah. set salary, or like going out there and being an entrepreneur, which I didn't really grow up with that mindset. You know, I wasn't that person selling lemonade, you know, at the corner of the street. And I wasn't like a born, a natural entrepreneur. I really had to learn how to do this. So it was a risk for me. It was a leap of faith, if you will, hmm. to make uh, to, to see if this was something that I wanted to do. And I, uh, there was times where it was really good. And there were times where I was like, I might have to go back to getting a job again. Like, what am I going to do? Um, but I stuck with it because I knew that this was my passion. This was something I was passionate about that brought fulfillment in my life. And that helped me to not give up. If it was just something I was doing, you know, um, just kind of, you know, winging it and like not really caring about it that much. It didn't bring passion to my life. I would have quit, you know, years ago. But there's something I'm passionate about. So it was worth the sacrifice. It was worth not giving up. And so that's why I dedicated, you know, the past eight years of my life to it. And here we are today. And I, you know, there's been a lot of blessings that have come in the past few years of waiting, 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 being patient. And then finally, you know, hitting something big. So when you were just getting started, you mentioned you didn't really know much about like monetizing or anything and you were like putting Google ads on your site. But yeah. When, when you did decide to go all in with fit to fat to fit walk us through like what your, what your original business model was and then how that sort of transformed over time. Cause I'm sure our listeners are curious. There's a lot of guys in the fitness space doing a lot of different things. So what were you yep. doing to actually generate revenue? So in the beginning it was the Google ads and then uh, that led me to sponsorship offers from certain companies. So sometimes it was like a, uh, you know, a supplement company of some type offered me like a monthly salary, you know, year long contract. And I was like, okay, that seems pretty secure. I'll pretty do that content, like featuring their brand. Yep, exactly. Sure. So create content, promoting their products, pushing it to my audience. Um, and I did that for a couple of years and there was good times and bad times. And um, I just felt like I was never in control. I felt like I was, I was, I had a job again you know, where I was working for somebody else, like, hey, you know, you be a puppet for us and do this and do that. And it, it, well, that wasn't really fulfilling. But I was like, oh, I got to do this to, to make money. I think people go through that from time to time. That's why I don't judge other people, like, especially in the fitness industry that sometimes they need a sponsorship. And I, you know, sometimes they have to promote something that they don't always love or agree with, but it's paying their bills. And I don't judge that at all. Um, yeah. And then anyways, what that led me to was, eventually in a way kind of hitting rock bottom and this is something i open up about on my podcast where uh, a few years after fit to fit happened i went through a divorce you know i was married at the time for 10 years and um it had nothing to do with fit to fit fit but we went through a, a divorce where it was really hard for me because i grew up thinking divorce was a failure like if you get divorced you're a failure and that was really hard emotionally but here i was in the public eye pretending like everything's fine and i'm okay and i'm so happy and i wasn't and then uh, a little bit after our divorce, um, financially, we had hit, and not rock bottom, like I wasn't bankrupt or anything like that, but man, I didn't know what I was going to do. A company that promised me money stopped paying me, and I put all my eggs in that one basket, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to survive. And I decided to you know, take the bull by the horns and say, I'm in charge of this. I have to 
fix this. And so I started to come up with marketing plans to market my brand and come up with new services and products to sell. And it just so happened that right before I launched that, I had met with um, these, these guys that were familiar with ClickFunnels. And that's what their strength was. And they said, hey, we can take your brand, plug it into our system, and I think that would be a good fit. And I felt good about it. And so I had all this content, and they took that content, repackaged it, and we plugged it into the ClickFunnels system. And, you know, oh, man, I, I made more money in two years with these guys than versus the past, you know, five or six years, to be honest with you, because I didn't know how to put my content in front of the masses. I knew how to put it in front of my following. Like I knew how to put it in front of my followers. But beyond that, I didn't know how to do Facebook ads. I didn't know how to do email marketing. I didn't know how to do sales funnels. I didn't know what all that meant. And once I had those guys helping me with that part of it, that's when things kind of took off for me. And we built a successful brand in the keto industry because about Four years ago, I got into keto and started becoming a proponent of that. I started teaching my audience about that. Then I went on Dr. Oz to talk about the keto diet and um, had all this keto content. And they helped me repackage that and sell it. And here we are. I think one one of my 60-day ebooks, right, for the keto diet has sold over 300,000 copies online, wow. which is amazing, right? And um, super popular. And you know, here we are today. I have a, a supplement company. Um, I have a podcast I, I've been running for a few years. I now have two books, one called Fit to Fat to Fit and one called Complete Keto, which is, you know, a ketogenic uh, approach to a healthier lifestyle. Um, and then I have my own, like I said, my own supplement line and a couple other businesses that I'm launching uh, just within the past couple months. And it's been, it's been good. It's been stressful <laughs> launching multiple businesses, but it's been worth it. Huh. So, so you're doing a couple different things right now. There's, there's a couple areas of that, that I want to dive into the first of which is info. So were you selling info products? I mean like eBooks and stuff before you had met these click funnels guys, or was that something that they introduced you to? That's something that they introduced me to. Um, I didn't really have content that I was selling necessarily. I had a couple, I, I did have like one ebook on my website. Like if you went to my website, you scrolled down, you saw it, you clicked on it. I had like one ebook, but um, it was really poorly put together. It was like, you know, I used Fiverr.com. It was like five bucks for an ebook. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, high quality stuff, but they really helped me package it and, and uh, plug it into their system. That worked really well. Did you, did you remain pretty hands off with, with the info side and the, and the marketing side, or was that something that you sort of got more involved in? No, the info side, I, I definitely got more involved with the, the marketing side click funnels is still a mystery to me of how they <laughs> of how they do it but it, i believe in it it's just for me i didn't have time to dedicate to learning how to do it because i have a full-time team of 12 people that do that for me and that allows me to be more creative with creating content and coming up with other ideas in the future hmm. so so you mentioned a couple different sort of uh, avenues that you're going down with with supplements with uh with the info stuff with the new yeah. projects that you're that you're talking about how do you sort of think about uh, dedicating your time energy resources between these different ventures and how do you decide like what's going to get your time a day what's going to get your your priority mm, that's a good question um and that's why i need to have you know good communication with my team of as far as okay what's coming up in the next six months what's coming up in the next three months and then with my team you know locally here in utah you know we sit down we come up with a plan of action for the next like you know 
30 or 60 days. Okay, what do we need to get done for the next 30 or 60 days to make this, you know, this new product that we're launching, you know, set in place. So for example, I have uh, a new franchise business model that I just launched. And what that entails is a fit to fit certification course for other trainers and coaches out there that want to become a certified fit to fit trainer that can use my brand name and say that, Hey, I'm a fit to fit trainer here in New York city. And you can find me on Drew's website where, you know, on his website, we can promote other trainers so that I'm not just the only one that has this understanding and philosophy of empathy, respect, and a better understanding of the mental and emotional side of transformation. Now we're certifying other trainers. And so this is a whole new venture that I have to give time and, and dedicate time to on top of my keto stuff, on top of my fit to fit fit stuff. And then I just launched a single dad podcast called single daddy daily that requires time as well. And I think it's just, it, it gets stressful sometimes for sure, because I'm like, man, I have so much stuff going on. How do I promote it all? And how do I effectively give to all of these? Um, and all I've learned throughout the years is, and this I learned from, uh, from uh, about this from being a single parent is sometimes, you know, you have to realize you're doing the best you can with what you have and not to be too hard on yourself because if you beat yourself up and feel guilty, like, Oh man, I slept in 15 minutes longer, but maybe your body and mind needed that extra 15 minutes versus I should be hustling and, and grinding more and I can sleep when I'm dead type mentality. But then you're not fully present or aware when you're doing your podcast or when you're doing your Instagram live or whatever it is. Um, and so, the, those kinds of things I've learned as a single parent to kind of be forgiving of not being perfect all the time. Hmm. That's, that's the truth right there. I, I'm yeah. curious about branding because you've, you've really done a, a, a really good job at, at branding fit to fat to fit. And now you're even expanding that brand into certifying other people. So yeah. when did you really start leaning into that brand? I mean, you mentioned some of the values that it stands for as far as like the empathy and really being able to connect with people. So, so when did that really become something that you, yeah, started leaning into? Yeah, that's a good question. So it started with fit to fit fit and what I did there and the lessons I learned and being vocal about that. But really I think branding has to do with self-awareness. And I think it, you have to discover who you are first. Like what makes you different than every other trainer out there, for example, in the fitness industry, what makes you different than every other person in your industry? And I think if you don't know who you are truly, then you don't know, what your what message or what value you bring to your audience and you don't really know who your demographic is either and it took for me like going through my divorce hitting rock bottom and then from there you know i had to go through this rediscovery process of like okay who am i without marriage who am i without um all these things that have been told to be like what is my truth now and i have to go through life and i had to go through this transition of like okay what is true to me and who am i and it like it took me a while. Like I was 34 years at the time and I, I really had to dig deep and figure that out. And that required meditating, traveling, um, you know, journaling, uh, being out in nature, uh, those types of things that really help you build that self-awareness. And then once I went through that, then I knew who I was showing up on Instagram live, showing up on Facebook live, showing up on my podcast. Cause I, I was really connected to who I, I truly was at that point in time. And then I think people really resonate with my message so much more versus like, oh, here's another trainer with a six pack abs and muscles telling me here's the new diet and here's how to get fit. And I really feel like once you have that self-awareness, you discover who you are, you discover your truth, your brand becomes so much more powerful because you're authentically you finally. 
mm-hmm. and people can relate to that versus like, okay, who is this guy? Is this, he's just a robot. You know what I'm saying? You can still monetize your brand being fake. You really can. I know people that do it all the time, but I feel like if you want to build um, uh, a, a, a brand that brings you fulfillment, not just money, not just that makes you income, but makes an impact in the world where you feel fulfilled with what you're doing. I feel like that's that self-awareness, that self-discovery is essential. So once you do have that self-awareness, do you think it's important to then brand yourself as like the fit to fat to fit guy or like the blank gal or, or, or like having that sort of like brand name around it? Uh, because I know a lot of people in the fitness space just use like first last name. Do you think that matters at all? Um, in a sense, I think that's part of who you are. Um, and I think what you need to do is go beyond that, right? Like I am not just fit to fat to fit. I'm not just yeah. this body. Um, I am a father first and foremost, and I've made mistakes in the past and I've owned my mistakes and I've been, I've embraced vulnerability as a strength. And I think what that has done for me is being authentic to my audience beyond what you do for a living, what your brand is about. I think people need to see beyond that. Like what, you know, that's saying when people say people don't buy your product, they buy you, right? Um, it's more than just the product that you're creating. People are, are buying you. So who are you? Are you authentic? Are you fake? Are you embracing vulnerability as a strength? And so for me, I've had to go beyond just I'm the fit to the fake guy. People know me, you know, um, more than just that because I've opened up about my past and I've opened up about my story. I think that's what really resonates with people and really drives home that, hey, this is a guy that we can trust and he owns a story. And um, we see him, we see more than just fit to fit. I think they're more trusting of what I have to say after that point. I couldn't agree more. And, and when you're yeah. doing that, um, you personally are clearly putting out a lot of content. So do you have any strategies or, or sort of um, things that you've used to help you in that content creation process of, of really like putting out a significant amount of content um, that will be valuable to an audience of young people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it really, and I'll be totally honest with you, it takes a lot of brain power to come up with new content and new creative ideas and honestly, I can't do it by myself. I think you have to have a team of people that helps you see things from a different perspective. Because if you just focus on you and what you can bring to the table, you only have one perspective of the world. Yeah. And it's good to have other people's perspectives because you are not your demographic. You have to realize that you are not your demographic. You have to think like your audience. You have to think like the consumer. And that's why it's important to have a, a good team of people coming up with ideas. Sometimes the ideas come from you sometimes they come from your team and I think, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. And so luckily I have a great team in place that helps me uh, come up with these creative ideas. It's not just me all the time. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's them. And sometimes it's a combination of all of us. Right. And um, I think that's key for anyone out there just to, you know, not to put the pressure on yourself to say, I have to, you know, come up with all the ideas and I'm in control because then, you know, I feel like if, if you put that type of pressure on you and something happens to you, you get hurt or, you know, even worse, then how is the brand going to carry on? Is the brand going to be able to without you? And I think that's why it's important to have a good team to, that helps think like you and can, you know, let's say I go, I break a leg, I go in the hospital, my brand will still be able to like content will still be posted and you know what I'm saying? It continues yeah. on. Yeah. That's a really good point. And, and that being said, I'm curious what's on the what's on the horizon for for Drew Manning and Fit to Fat to Fit. I mean, like, what are sort of like 
I don't know, like five ish years out. I mean, I know you're working on a lot of new initiatives right now, but like, what is, what are some of those big things on the horizon? That's a good question. So I, my biggest mission is to bring empathy to the fitness industry because that's one Avenue that hasn't been explored. Um, Mm And it's something that no one really talks about in the fitness industry because we're also focused on macros and calories and workouts. And what's, what's the best, what's the quickest way to look the most ripped with the least amount of effort? Like that's what everyone wants. But I feel like um, this is something I live by. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And um, that's one thing I'm trying to bring to other trainers and coaches, So, which is why I started the franchise model. So I could help build a, an army of fit to fit, fit trainers to help bring this message to this industry because at the end of the day, everyone in the health and fitness wants to help people become healthier. We all have different approaches, right? Or different um, ideas of how to do that, but we're all on the same team. We're all trying to make this world a, a happier, healthier place. Um, and so my goal is to bring my philosophies on a bigger scale to this industry in hopes to help out with the obesity epidemic and letting people know that they're worth it to continue to fight for their health and to let them know that it's not just about physical health. It's about mental, emotional, spiritual health. And that's what, uh, that's what will give people a complete transformation instead of just another weight loss pill or weight loss diet that's going to help them lose weight. But then they're not happier. They're not more fulfilled. They don't love themselves more just because they lost weight. It's more of a complete transformation. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. So the franchise model is the next big thing. Actually, this weekend is my first ever fit to fit franchise seminar where we're certifying trainers. And then we'll do another one in October and then November and then December. And then we'll continue to grow it until every city has a fit to fit trainer in it so that people can go to them to have that trainer that um, cares about them and understands the emotional struggles that they go through. Hmm. So how did you get the, the fit to fat to fit brand uh, big enough or like the mission big enough so that it could, it could hold people beyond just you and your team? Because I know for a lot of people, they can get their, their themselves and their team rallied up about something, but, but getting other people so excited that they want to like jump on board, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game right there. It is, it is. And it took a lot of risks on my end. So for example, the first, I think the first step was doing the TV show right? And getting the TV show out there where people saw other trainers go through what I did and they saw how it impacted them. And then from there, that's when people started reaching out to me like, I want a fit to bed fit trainer. Where are these trainers at in my city? I want someone that like understands what I've, I, I go through and they've gone through it. And so um, that's really where I really started to realize there's a demand for this. And shoot, how long has it been since then? Three two, three years since the TV show came out. And this is something I've been working on with a business partner for a long time. It's a lot of work, legal work that goes into this to make it happen. And so um, I think just being aware that there was a demand for it. And then from there, putting something in place that would fulfill that demand. And it's on a small scale right now, but it's going to take a while to get it where to where we want it to be. But um, I think that's kind of where I first started down this journey of like noticing that people are really asking for a fit to fit trainer, you know? Absolutely. And then as far as like finding the, the trainers that want to get certified, how, how has that process gone? Yeah. So um, I've just, I've posted a little bit on social media. I haven't done a lot of promotion or marketing for it just yet. Cause we want to see what the demand is on a small scale first, and then we'll grow it from there. Um, but um it's interesting. I think there's been a lot of trainers and coaches that are interested in becoming certified under this brand because what it does that's different than a normal certification is if someone goes and gets 
you know, NASM certified as a personal trainer. Here's what happens. They get the certification course, they pay for it. And then from there, it's like, all right, what do I do from here on out? Do I just, you know, do I, how do I monetize it? How do I make money? Do I go to a gym and get hired? The way we set it up is instead of owning a gym as a franchise, what you're doing is you're under the fit to fit family now. And we give you ongoing support to build your brand, to help you monetize it and teach you how to monetize it. So, because you're representing my brand and if you don't win, then I don't win. And so that's the thing is it's a, it's a different setup than a traditional certification course. And so uh, people can leverage my brand and, and the, the fit to fit household name now, and they can be that first trainer in their area to have people hire them in their area to come, to come help them. And so that's kind of uh, the way it's worked and it's been some good response for sure because it's, it's totally different. It's never been done before. Solid. That's super exciting. Yeah. I'm, I've got some questions now, Drew, that I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. So are you feeling sure. ready for those? Yeah, man. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. The first of which is, is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? Oh, it genuinely has me excited. Well, I'm in California versus uh, Utah and <laughs> sunny weather. Um, you know, I'm excited about all these things that I'm doing. It's just, it is a lot of stress sometimes uh, with business but I have to look at it from a different perspective and look at the impact I'm hoping to create. So I'm very, very excited about, you know, the franchise model. And I'm also really excited about my single daddy daily podcast, which is more of a passion project of mine of, of talking about the life of, of single parenting. Cause there's not really anything out there to help single parents, you know, navigate those difficult, you know, waters of how do I, how do I survive? How do I, yeah, I can be an influencer. I can be an entrepreneur. I can be a business owner. But as a single parent, it's way harder. And so I hope to bring hope to people out there that are struggling. So that's another thing I'm super excited about. Straight up, super on board with that mission as well. Uh, the next thing I'm curious about is whether or not you have any habits that have served you particularly well. I know we talked a bit about meditation and mindfulness, um, but either in your business life or your personal life, are there things that you're doing on a regular basis? I think, you know, uh, a morning routine is essential, whether you do meditation or not, like whether you do gratitude list or not. I think having some type of morning routine every morning so that you can stay consistent with, whether it's making your bed, you know, maybe you say your prayers or drink water first thing in the morning or go for a walk first thing in the morning. Like having some type of consistency in your life, I think is really important to help you set your day off right so that the rest of the day falls into place so much easier versus waking up, chugging coffee you know, running to get ready and like not even thinking about, you know, how grateful you are for the coffee you have or the water you just had or the amazing place you live or the fact that you have a car, or the fact that you have clothes and you have a house and, you know, all these little things that you don't really uh, appreciate, um, you know, when you're rushing, you're on the go and you're not thinking about those things. Um, so I think a morning routine is a great way to get your mind right uh, before you start your day. I couldn't agree more. And just incorporating even a fairly simple morning routine that I can take with me wherever I go has, has been really effective for me, especially as I travel more because yeah. like before, like I would travel and, and everything would just sort of go to shit. Like yeah. my routines and, and my exercise and my eating, it would just all go out the window. Cause I'm like, I'm out of my environment. I don't know what to do. Like yeah. it's just a free for all at this point. But now, now that I have some kind of morning routine I can take with me, it sort of helps me to, to get started off on the right foot. And just like the rest of the day just flows so much more smoothly. Yeah. Yep. I agree, man. It's a powerful tool. Um, do you have any 
content you're consuming or, or people that you're looking up to right now? It could be really in any space. It doesn't have to be fitness related. It doesn't have to be entrepreneurial related. Um, but just like people that you're, that you're watching. Yeah. Um, my girls actually just, my daughters, they're eight and 10. They just got to meet Jason Momoa. Um, and we follow him, Aquaman. Everyone knows Aquaman, right? <laughs> I've been following him for a while, but um, there's recently something going on on the big island of Hawaii with uh, Mauna Kea, which is a sacred, uh, sacred volcano on the big island. And they're trying to build this huge telescope. And it's cool to see the Hawaiian people uh, come together and protect that land. And, you know, the rock showed up as well. And Jason Momoa showed up to help uh, build awareness for this cause. And so, those are two people that I've been following uh, recently because I was actually out there too with my daughters and with my family uh, helping out. And that was really cool. Um, so that, that's just the first thing that came to mind that, you know, is something that I'm interested in and following. Sure. hundred uh, percent. Drew, where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, learn more about fit to fat to fit and just uh, follow along with your journey and everything that you're doing? Yeah, fit2fat2fit.com uh, or just follow me on social media at fit2fat2fit. It's fit number two, fat number two, fit. And that's my podcast, my first book. Um, uh, you'll find everything branded fit2fat2fit. So it's super easy. Awesome. I'll be sure to link up a ton of those in the show notes for the listeners as well. Drew, I just want to say that I'm extremely grateful for uh, having you on the show and for you sharing your knowledge and experience with the listeners. Do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to uh, leave us off with here today? Yeah, thanks, Apple, for having me on, first of all. And you know, if there's anything I could leave for people out there that maybe they're struggling, um, I just did a post about this recently. You know, you're your current situation is not your final destination. And I think sometimes we get stuck in that mindset of like, things are hard right now. Things suck right now. Like it's always going to be this way. And we think, woe is me. And, and we kind of feel like we're forever doomed, but experience and life have taught us that things always do get better. You know, there's a, there's a light at the end of that tunnel that you're in and you're in that tunnel for a reason to learn and grow. And um, you will learn and grow, but there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. So things will get better. So just remember that. Keep moving forward. Keep pushing forward. You're worth it to keep fighting. Um, and don't give up on yourself. Take a break if you need to, but don't give up. Keep moving forward. Mm, couldn't agree more. Drew, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Okay, Apple. Thanks for having me on, man. Bada bing, bada boom. That is a wrap, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this last episode of Young Smart Money. If you did, you know what to do. Um, drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. I literally run on reviews like they are the fuel that goes into my body and gets me jazzed up, fired up every single morning. So if you take the time, literally it's like five seconds to drop a review. If you're in the podcast app, literally just go to Young Smart Money, scroll all the way down past all the episodes at the very bottom. There'll be a section that says write a review. If you could drop me all of your thoughts, all of your questions, all your comments, all your concerns. I would love to read those. I read each and every one of them. Um, and I really do take them all to heart. So that would mean a ton if you could do that. Otherwise, um, if you guys are wondering how I make money on the show, because if you all notice, I don't put sponsors on the podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't want to waste your time listening to some ad about Squarespace or whatever they're promoting these days on the podcast. And I've been approached by plenty of sponsors, believe me, but they all get shown where the door is because that's not what I believe in. But I am still able to monetize this podcast, turn it into a consistent five figures per month of income. If you guys are wondering how I do that, um, I put together a free cheat sheet for y'all. It's a little bit more than a cheat 
cheat. It's kind of like an ebook. It's like 20 some pages long where I laid out the 16 methods that I use to monetize my podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm um, getting completely free. Just head over to applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. That's applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. And you can download that completely for free. Cheat sheet is all one word. Uh, don't ask me to spell it though, because I will probably mess up. So guys, applecriter.com slash cheat sheet for the free cheat sheet. How I'm able to monetize my podcast consistently five figures per month off of that. Um, I really am passionate about podcasting and I want to teach y'all how to do it because I see these guys making videos on YouTube teaching you like the, the bare minimum, the basics, the stuff that nobody like needs to actually learn. Um, but it's, it's that advanced stuff. It's how to actually make money doing this without having to put sponsors on your show that I think is really, truly valuable. So that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. So guys, again, absolutely free to download. Link will also be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you decided to spend the last hour here with us on Young Smart Money.